0: living a life I never thought possible. The suffering of my past was the catalyst I needed to find recovery and be receptive to healing. I created this podcast out of the desire to recover out loud and, with the help of my guests, show you how a better life is possible after addiction. Whether you have been here before or you are a first-time listener, I would be so grateful if you would take a moment To write a review on Apple Podcasts so that it can reach more people who may be struggling. Together, we can help those in need. You can also reach me at sobergratitudes at gmail.com with any questions or comments. Thank you again for dropping in today, and welcome to Sober Gratitudes. Sober Gratitude's podcast is proud to come together and partner with Valor Fitness Clothing in our mutual mission to support and encourage the recovering community. Based in Los Angeles and inspired by real recovery, Valor Fitness lives up to its mission. With one item sold, Valor Fitness donates one item to a homeless shelter or transitional rehab facility. Because Valor Fitness Clothing supports Sober Gratitude's mission, everyone can receive a discount when shopping. Use the code GRATITUDE20 at checkout. Also, every guest on my podcast will be graciously given a gift certificate from Valor. We're stronger together when we come together. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sober Gratitudes, Episode 14. My name is Sarah, and I am your host. Today's guest is Steve from the podcast Stuck in the Attic, and the Instagram account SoberLife78 Steve started his account to help others in recovery and he started his podcast too to help others who are getting sober and who want to better their lives for any kind of reason as you will hear in the interview Steve truly turned his life around from active addiction to sobriety and he dedicates his life to serving others by sharing his story and just simply living a wonderful life of balance and health and service. So I think this is a wonderful episode to listen to today in light of what's going on in the world. A lot of us are kind of stuck in our attic, if you will, or stuck in our home because of this pandemic. And hopefully those of you that can't get out and about and meet other people who are in recovery can rely on recovery podcasts like mine and like Steve's and get inspired to stay sober. We can all get through this together and... I hope all of you are healthy and doing okay. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Steve. Welcome to several Gratitudes.
1: Well, it's a pleasure to be on here. I look forward to being, being on here since you launched this um, podcast.
0: Steve, I met over Instagram. I don't know when it was. Um
1: sometime last and last summer when I started my page in August.
0: Okay. That's right. Cause you know, when you started your,
1: your Instagram. Yeah. I
0: started my Instagramming actually as a way to, I did, I, I did an Instagram account for my dog because <laughs> my. Son, my older two sons were like dying to get on Instagram I'm like what's this Instagram thing I want to find out what this is about Lots so I started with my dog and I got like 800 followers with my dog and I then I was able to dig around and see what it was all about and then and like, like you I was like wait I, I think I can start maybe like a sober account that might be fun and it's really turned out to be much more than I expected but we're not here to talk about me. I, we're here to talk about you and how you transformed from an alcoholic. Were you, was it just alcohol or did Oh, you...
1: no, it was, it was many. It was a plethora of goodies that I like to say I put in my system. I, I At times, I'd have like six things in my system at one time. Wow. Yeah, I'm like a Friday, or Saturday night. I had a completely different life. I've lived like several lives, I think. It, the amount of s- substances that I consumed. I really shouldn't be here anymore.
0: Like, what was your childhood like before okay. you started picking up?
1: I come from a, a pretty middle-class family. Um, we didn't have a house. We grew up in apartments. But we grew up in a really decent section of town. Um, my parents were together until I was 12. Probably beneficial. The only thing that was a drawback is my dad was not in the house. And he probably would have noticed maybe another set of eyes. He probably would have caught me, you know, a little red-eyed. A a little more on top of things like that than my mother was. She was a little naive with stuff like that. Um, My mother never really asked me where I'm going. Had she would have asked me, I might have had to be honest. And she might have, you know, told me I'm not going anywhere. And I would have listened because my mother, you know, she, my mother was real tough growing up. You know, Mm. my mother's pure German, strict, and she could ignite like dynamite in a second. If she felt that something was off, you know, so I was scared of my mother. So my friends, you know, and Mm. so, but you know, that fear kept me kind of in line to a certain degree, but I still went out and eh, the younger teen years, I'm pretty much smoking pot at this point. I'm not really looking to get anything harder. I'm not really drinking too much. Tell you the truth. I kind of liked pot when I was younger more than drinking anyway, (laughs) because it made me feel good and drinking kind of made me feel like uh, an ass, you know? So
0: what did your 20s look like what like what
1: so two things happened two things happened that were paramount to the trajectory of my life when i was um a junior and a senior in high school so when i was a junior um i forget which happened first but um i may have been senior what happened was um we went after a football game and we went drinking okay um and We, uh, we were in Pacific, the next town over. I was drinking, like, grain alcohol and fire water or something that was, like, red. So I, I, I went to go drop my, my buddy off. On his block, I turned, and I hit a parked car, totaling my car. But I could make it home. All, all my friends are so drunk, they're laughing. Two of them bail and run home. And the other one just gets out because his house is right down the block anyway. Now I'm hobbling home. And this was very, this is a key moment in my life because what happens is I don't get any consequences from this. So I drive home, I make it home and I park in the back lot of the apartments and the car is hidden in the corner of the parking lot and no one could see it and no one saw me. So now I go inside, I'm walking inside. I'm like, oh my God, I just made it home and there's no cops here. So I go inside and I wound up throwing up all over my mother's perfectly coordinated yellow you know, fur on everything, bathroom, all this pink alcohol. And she wakes me up the next morning and I'm mortified and I'm still drunk. She wakes me up the next morning, none too happy. And I said, well, that's not all mom. You know, you think you're mad now? I think I told the car that was bad. So the only consequences I had were money. You know, my dad's like, oh, well, you know, that's what kids do, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know, there was really no talk. It was kind of like swept under the rug. Hmm. Then, then um, either, I can't remember exactly when, but it was at some point right around that time that um, we got drunk and we started shooting out of the uh, third story, the attic of my buddy's house across the street at like a laundromat slash Krauser's kind of little mini mall. Okay. Started shooting a BB gun. Oh boy. Yeah. We hit a bunch of people. I was the main culprit. I was like the, the most. And they called the cops, and the cops came, and I'm like, oh, wow, the Krausers getting robbed next door. Look at this. And I call them all over the window, and I thought the cars were going to go into the Krausers, but you know what? The cars turned into the house. They got a call, shots fired. They didn't get a call that a bunch of meatheads, a bunch of teenagers were up there with a BB gun. They got a call that there was an armed person firing out a window. Holy cow. So the whole police department comes. I went to court, and I took the, like a good boy, I took the rap because i was 17 and they were all 18 you know it was like that that time where you get you're like you know if they get if they get charged they could go to jail mm-hmm. if i get charged i get like a slap on the wrist so i took the hit you know mm-hmm. and that's when i really learned that kind of lifestyle of like getting away with stuff and taking one for the team and you know almost like camaraderie and and being a an idiot you know
0: so this wasn't the time you were like wow This isn't good that I'm drinking and drugging. It was more like, oh, wow, (laughs) I can get away with all this stuff.
1: I'm going to go to school the next day and everyone's going to look at me like, you know, like look at all of us like, you know, intrigued because we're kind of like bad boys. We're kind of like rebellious and we do what we want. You know, we're drug addicts and alcoholics and we shoot people with BB guns. We don't give it. We don't give a care. And, we're all on the football team and then we get a lashing from the coach and then the principal. And then uh, so much stuff happened. I was 80, I was tardy or absent 80 days out of 180 school days, my senior year. And because I was like a jock and well, popular, well-known person, my, the uh, disciplinary, whatever they call it, the, uh, the guy who was in charge of looking over that stuff, he erased like 30 tardies. Wow. Yeah. Wow. He goes, cause you won't graduate. He goes, but if the board of education finds out, you know, I, I told him I broke in the computer. Now this is going back like 25, 30 years. I don't even know if he's still alive, so I don't care, you know, yeah, <laughs> wow. the, you know, but, um, you know, it's like disclosure right now is pretty much uh, okay. At this point, I don't gotcha. think anyone's even alive that was in charge back then, but that was the cut see that now you can see the tone of my life. You can see yeah. a kid that gets away with everything he gets into because that's just the way it is. And, and some people are like that and some people aren't. And, you know, in a, in a way I look back and I think I should have got my come comeuppance and maybe I would have been, but there's a lot of maybes in life and I, I could have been sober quicker or whatever. I could have been dead quicker. You know, everything happens for a reason. God. Right. A plan, you know?
0: So what was it like, what, tell me about like the, the last days or weeks or months, whatever, before you were like, did you hit a bottom or did you have like a low, like a long, low bottom?
1: several bottoms i went uh when i was 21 i went to uh rehab myself in rehab because i got the job where i am now when i was 19 and that gave me free reign to go once i once i moved out of my house it was bad that was a bottom that was the first one i went to a rehab let me tell you the rehab that i went to really planted the seed even though i was too young it really gave me a glimpse into a life that I could have if I really wanted it. If I had enough, I just didn't have enough yet. And I went out, and there was a couple. There was uh, what six years, seven, seven, eight years of just bouncing. I mean, bad overdoses, uh, medical induced coma in hospital.
0: What? Oh, Where wow.
1: I played chicken with a cop in 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 uh, one town, and um, you know, long story short. I went I got DUI, my parents picked me up, I got into an argument with my parents, I got out of the car, my mother ran my foot over. I got picked up by the ambulance, brought to the hospital, got a bottle of painkillers, I'm still drunk, got a wow. broken toe now. The same cops came to assist the ambulance and now I'm in a hospital. Now I'm leaving, I'm not supposed to be leaving, with a bottle of Percocets, and I'm walking home, my parents are like, What the hell are you doing here? It was stuff like that, you know? Just horrible. Um, so twenty nine years old actually uh I was twenty-eight and I went out for um I went out for medical leave, FMLA leave for uh I went out for um depression, like uh, stress mm-hmm. leave. Mm-hmm. I'd went up drinking the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know? That was I went back to work in November and I went back into AA. I was there I think a year before, a couple months before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I went back in in January and then I fell off and it was like a blur that Christmas up until I got sober a couple months later, it was like a blur. And I remember so many things and um, I remember so many uh, actually bad things that happened within like that six month period of time. I mean, like just the occurrences. The rest of the time that I, I don't remember, I couldn't tell you what I was doing on a daily basis, but I remember there was like three distinct, distinct things that happened. And the last one was, well, the DUI was one. And the last one was I actually tried to try to kill myself. I was suicidal and I did, you know, I, I was doing, it was in April. It was a month before I got sober. It was April 16th, I think. Mm-hmm. And I was drinking straight gin out of a bottle. And I was doing coke and sleeping pills and I tied um, a belt around my arm and I slipped my wrist. And you know what? I couldn't even, I was so either subconsciously or it was God or it wasn't my time to go. I couldn't even like press down hard enough. I was so inebriated. My parents found me and, and, and they, they, you know, called the hospital. And that was when I got sober. April 17th was the following morning. Um, so I get sober and I'm like 42 days in or some, something, I forget exactly what the math was, what, but I remember I got a resentment at a, a meeting on a Saturday morning up in Pearl River, New York. And I got a resentment from like my sponsor sponsor. And I went home and I popped a couple of sleeping pills and I went to bed and I woke up and I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Why would I think this was going to be any better? And that was it. That was my little trap door. So, wow. May twenty sixth of oh seven, I finally stopped fighting. You know, May
0: twenty sixth '7. Um, and so that's twelve years, almost almost twelve, years. almost thirteen. That's awesome.
1: God willing, it'll be thirteen. Now, here's the thing, you know, getting sober for me opened a door to me for me to be physically active again, and I'm a lineman at work, so that's physically active with physical activity and sports and everything comes injuries. So now you're right back in the old, you know, medication, because I had a bunch of surgeries. So I really had to watch myself with that. It's like a very, it's very hard to navigate, but then again, you don't get, um, you don't get sober to be in pain. So if you need a surgery, you, you, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta take the medication as it's prescribed sobriety was gave me the ability to um go out and do the things that I never thought I could do, definitely not without some kind of substance in my body and After about maybe a year or two, I started speaking, and I got the bug because I love to speak, mm-hmm. so I started to do these speaking commitments you know and that really opened up whatever little self-esteem issues I had because I realized that I could speak pretty clearly in public. Like you get nervous a little bit when you're standing in front of a crowd of people, but after a little while, it starts, that starts to wear away, you know, and it still happens to this day, but it's like each time I speak, it gets quicker and quicker where that feeling goes away to anxiety. So I realized that I really like speaking you know, and that's, uh, th- that's part of giving back what I learned and what I got from people is, you know, helping people speaking, hearing your story and how bad you are. The story I just told you, I, I have that's, you know, I left out a lot of stuff in my twenties cause it was really bad, but you got the gist of, you know, how I grew up and how I got that mindset where I was going to get away with everything. Couple that with an addiction you know, mental, physical, and spiritual. And you're you're really in for a, a long ride in life, you know. And it doesn't have to be like that. And thank God I stopped, hopefully, for good, when I was 29. But um, you never want to, you know, project, project into the future. But at 29, that's when I really, you know, I found a program of recovery. And uh, I, I did what, what I saw working in other people. You know, I said to myself, I said before I got sober, what the hell are you going to do if you don't have drugs and alcohol? You see pictures of of beer, beer ads all the time, you know, especially, you know, at that time, you're still seeing beer ads. You've seen them all the time on, you know, Budweiser Christmas commercials. Alcohol is so played up, you know, in society. It's almost like a given. What are you going to do without that? What are you going to do when you go to a party, when you want to talk to someone and have a conversation? You know, what are you going to what are you going to do? You know, and it's like, well, you you could actually be grown up and not have to use a substance to lubricate you for social events. And I found out that I don't I really have a personality in there and I have feelings and emotions and I can I can I hit all these emotions. That's that's one thing that really sobriety gives you is it gives you the emotions you've been craving. But it's a double edged sword because you can't handle them without you like drugs and alcohol because you never did it before it's like a it's like you're brand new here i am 29 years old and i'm like why do i feel this way it's great and it sucks at the same time i'm so happy i'm so sad i'm so glad i'm so mad it's like you know all day long you're a roller coaster yeah you gotta settle down you know you gotta talk to people that's why you you try and meet as many like-minded people as yourself you gotta you gotta tone it down a little bit and you got to um, try and, and get help. You got to try and keep your mind occupied, go out and hike, go to a movie, um, go out with some friends, do something other than going out from 10 o'clock till four in the morning and sleeping all day mm-hmm. on a weekend. Yeah. Be, be active physically, get out in nature and take in life and try and, you know, release some energy to try and get back some good energy, you know?
0: Yeah. And you know, when people, Do that in recover. I know for me, I had this huge. um, Can you hear me still?
1: Oh, yeah, perfectly. Okay.
0: Um, That I found that I wasn't paying attention to nature, as, um, as like it was like the colors in, in my like flowers and trees and snow and blue skies, like I they all got very dull, and I only realized that after I was sober for, I think it was four or five months. And I remember sitting on the front steps of my house with my husband and I was sobbing and it was this beautiful day. flowers were b- blooming and I, he was like, what is wrong? He was, we didn't say that, but he looked at me kind of, I think he was very confused. Why was I crying? And, I said, the colors of the flowers were just so unbelievably beautiful. I can't handle it. Like it it was so much, it was too much for me to handle. I loved what I saw, but then it was like, I realized that I had been missing that. It was like, I was killing that, um, that scent. You know, you kill your senses. Like my senses were gone. Um, inactive addiction you know just from numbing myself from feelings and from you know music when I was listening to music in sobriety I was I would just sob listening to these songs and I I've always loved music my whole life but you know the sicker and sicker I got in my addiction of alcohol um uh, like like I said it was I was numbing everything so to go out like I, and I see your Instagram page, you're skiing a lot and the pictures, yeah. I'm like, Oh, they're just so stunning. Like, oh. you know, 10 years ago when I was so, so sick and suffering, I would, I would just pass by pictures like that. Like I wouldn't appreciate it. Just the, the visual, um, the beauty of nature go out there and to just, to, to feel the energy of nature too. And sobriety. I mean, I've talked to countless people who, have have similar experiences when they get sober that their senses just explode.
1: Oh yeah, F- this is my take on it. That's why nature is so vibrant when you get sober because you're like, oh my god, this exists. That's and that's when I start when I started the page. I started to help people, but I all I post things that have um, not just like sayings and stuff that I, I speak about. Uh, I want to get off my chest or I'm thinking, but I also post pictures of like nature and mm-hmm. beauty and stuff like that because those are positive aspects of the world we were we have a world that is you know at our fingertips and we do everything as alcoholics that we can to ruin any kind of feeling and sensation we get if we actually step down into that world
0: do you feel that that you've changed and people have seen that change in you because you got sober and stayed sober?
1: Drastically. I, I had the pleasure, actually, um, of being in active addiction and alcoholism with the same crew of men that I work with today. They see the difference. They ask me, you know, sometimes they have family members or they'll talk to me and say, sometimes they say, you changed so much. We don't ever want you to go back to that. These people, these are people you don't think care. These are like coworkers, Aww. And then they come out of the word work when you're going through something. And it's like, they're like, you don't realize you help people by just being an example, you know? And I'm like, and my parents are the same thing. I gave them, you know, the living amends and everything. And, mm-hmm. and there's like, oh, you were so strong. I'm like, it's not strength. It's just, I wasn't, I don't think God, I think God had a plan for me. I really do. And I think that the plan was to change the way I was. And if you want to say it was my willpower, the only willpower I had was the the, the knowledge of surrender. You know, mm. um, surrendering brought me victory. It sounds so weird, but I was talking to someone today about it. You know, it was like I I'm fighting this giant monster, and this giant monster is get you know just throwing you know things, drugs and alcohol at me like he usually does. And this giant monster is like my own brain. I don't realize it, but he's me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, underneath all that mask that he's hiding under. It's me. It's my brain. It, it's my own disease that I'm fighting. And it's growing bigger than I can possibly imagine. And I have to say, you know what? I can't do this to myself. I put my sword down. I get down on one knee and all of a sudden I have surrendered. And here comes the troops behind me. And they come in and the, the monsters, you know, defeated. And that's what it really feels like. It's like there's so many things that I can do, so many people that can help me, and a God that I never truly understood that I might want to take a look at, you know, that all I have to do is just lay down for a second, and if I truly believe in my heart that this is the right move, I will have a flood of reinforcements right behind me.
0: That's so great. Yeah. Oh, Oh, well, you've shared so much great inspiration um, and especially for a guy to, to come on the pod and and for you to have a podcast where you, you know, you're vulnerable and you talk about these kind of things that, you know, for men, it's still like men, it's like a stigma to talk about feelings and emotions and you're such a great model and that's just such a great example. Like you're, so, you know, I know your podcast is going to do so well and, um, I've oh. listened to a couple of episodes okay. and they're, they're really great. So the listeners out there, go, go to, um, the anchor podcast stuck in the attic. It's stuck dash in dash the dash attic. So listeners, make sure you go visit Steve at sober life, 78 on the Instagram account. And, um, yeah. And we'll put that information in the, in the, um, the podcast notes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But Thank you so much for
1: it's a your pleasure time
0: today. And- you have no
1: idea how much you helped me uh, letting me help others. Okay. God bless.
0: Yeah. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Bye. Okay. Bye. Well, that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you to my guest and all of you for listening. I hope what you heard inspires you to look for and recognize the gifts of sobriety, sober gratitudes, podcast dedicated to delivering messages of hope through true stories of recovery. A sober life is possible if you truly want it.